never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Sunday, you know what that means. It's time for another new episode of the It's Canon Podcast. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Boris, and this week I'm joined by Phil. Hello, 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 everybody. And Tyler. It's the superb hour. Superb owl. We're totally not hungover episode. Yep. On this week. We're going to be talking about remakes, reboots. We're going to be talking about streaming content, a bit of a follow-up from last week's conversation. We're going to be talking about Stadia and what's going on. We're going to be talking about Amazon in the future. We're also going to be talking about WandaVision. How does that sound, guys? Only if we do the exact same coverage of WandaVision as last week. That's (laughs) pretty much where we're going to be. 30 seconds. It's good. We're done. If at all. If at all. (laughs) Yeah. Rockin'. Let's do it. All right. So, another day. Another another Sunday. Here we are. So, what is new with you, Phil? Oh, man. Oh, man. This week was kind of slow. You know how last week I... I ruptured the universe with my television binging. Well, this week, eh, you know what, man? Eh. eh. I, I wanted to watch Cowboy Bebop. Didn't feel arsed. At all. Couldn't be, couldn't be bothered to do it. Don't know what's going on there. I did watch a lot of Kim's Convenience, as Boris can attest to. And, um, yeah, just the regular stuff, man. Snowpiercer. Expanse is done. Season 5. Boo. So, I'm, I'm patiently waiting for season six i'm not going to spoil anything but um if you haven't watched it i encourage people to go watch it because there were choices made and yeah feelings and yeah you know resident alien i really enjoyed the second episode have you seen the third yet because that also is released (gasps) yeah i'm three episodes in oh i'm jelly shit I gotta go. Oh, I'll, I'll fire up the app and watch that then. But yeah. this dropped for me. I don't know if I've got special stuff. I just watched it on Sci Fi Network, Canadian Sci Fi Network. Uh, and I only saw the one, but I did notice my PVR was recording for some reason. Mm. And I did notice that they're looping them on Friday nights. They're doing mm. like Resident Alien Fest back to back. So maybe it was in there and I was just not paying attention. Because I just happen to see it, but you know, then then I get into video games and I go, oh, guess what? I want to play stuff. And obviously, with all the news about Stadia this week, I've been 
enjoying my stadia life because I just feel like it's on borrowed time. So oh, no. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's happening there? But it, it might all go away and then I'm left poor <laughs> because I bought these video games and they're gone now. Because when the cloud disappears, so does As all you. You were content. warned. <laughs> I was warned. So if if Google do <clears throat> unplug the internet for Stadio Gaming, they're going to have an angry customer to deal with. Because I will want blood. It's one Phil, thing if you give me free games, but when you take my money. <laughs> Phil's going to be uh, Obi-Wan from episode three. You are the chosen one. <laughs> yes. I believed in you. You betrayed me. I have the higher ground. You have my money. <laughs> <laughs> Now you will be burnt to a crisp Anakin Google. Yeah. Seriously, the Resident Alien is just a good show. Yeah. They they got, got it right. They they cast it right. They got it right. Alan Tudyk is so talented. And um the lady playing Asta is a delight. And yep. having grown up in, in small town rural nowhere, they get a lot of the weirdness of like growing up in small town weird nowhere really right. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's quality in them, their hills, people. I, I would say make sure to tune in and support it because mm -hmm. we need them to know to continue on doing this. I even went out and I got the comic book just for a um, a foundational exploration of what the source material was. And Comixology had like the graphic novel, the first volume of the graphic novel on for like four bucks, which is a steal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting exercise to do for sure. But I enjoy it. Alan Tudyk has always been one of my favorites. I'm so glad he's in the Star Wars universe. I'm so glad that he's in a lot of the stuff I really like, even though, you know, you guys are hating on some of that stuff, but that's okay. How about you, Tyler? What do you do all week? Uh, lots of Resident Alien. Um, tried to watch Locked Down. The Anne Hathaway, and I can never pronounce his name, Chaijutwell Ijo4. Super talented act, super talented team of actors and stuff. And it's like a movie that is entirely set and filmed inside of like the COVID lockdowns. And we got mm. eight minutes into it last night. And so it's, it's advertised as like, oh, it's a fun little rom com heist movie. We got eight minutes in and we were like, this is so depressing. Mm. way too depressing and we noped right out oh good for you making that call eight minutes in oh it's it is it, i don't know if it gets funny we're gonna try to get at some point but it is like ah uh, yes let us discuss the alluring call of suicide during this time oh. where you can't go anywhere it was like jesus oh what was the one that you mentioned before alice in borderland did you i didn't that? mention that i was the one i didn't mention it that. Okay, because one of you freaking asshats mentioned it, and it came up in my Netflix thing. So I watched the first episode, and I wanted to go and cry. I, I did. Was, this, that's horror, man. Yeah. Horror. I, I, yeah, I said it was. I, I knew you did, but it, it looked so appealing. Those little thumbnails are all, oh, that looks interesting. And then you yeah, get no. into it, and you have to finish it. Like, yeah. there's no half-outing that. I also um, finally started playing Rocket League with some friends of mine, 
Mm. And um, car soccer. Uh, uh, we are undefeated. I have never lost a game of Rocket League. I might. Oh, this might be the thing I'm best at in the universe. That's awesome. Car soccer. Well, and like, it wasn't like we were like eking out wins. We were getting like 10-0 shutouts up and down. Was it AI opponents? No. <laughs> nope. We were in ranked and everything, and like no one could wow. touch us. It was so weird. It might just be that like there's like a skill level that we haven't mm. gotten to. Like we yeah. have to like rank up because you start in casual unranked and you have to like get your ranking and stuff. But it's just like I'm undefeated. Come at me. That is like a very popular game too. Yeah. Like that's that's got to be a big player pool. And then it was a lot of like I I, I had some extra money this week from a lot of sources. And one of the things I do when I have a lot of extra money is I go on Kickstarter and I've backed a lot of weird Kickstarters. Mm, nice. I, I think out of my whole life, I've backed a flashlight out of Kickstarter and a video game that still exists. I get emails, but I don't play it. It, it was almost like a Minecraft type video game. Oh, there's a bunch of those. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I've I've got a really good record for picking like Kickstarters to back in terms of like not getting screwed over. Yeah, same here. Um it, it's, it's the threat of getting screwed over that scares the shit out of me. Oh, 100%. <coughs> I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. There's only one thing I've ever backed that I like I got it and felt like this was not what I was advertising. And that was sort of the necromancer. And part of it was like it was advertised as this one kind of game. And then you started playing it. And the writing was like. It was just like fart jokes. It was like a 13 year old wrote it. And I was just like, I can't even I, I couldn't even get to gameplay. The writing was so. Antithetical you got to let me know what the title is. I might be into that. Sword of the necromancer. <laughs> fart jokes. <laughs> Sword of the Necromancer. Interesting. It's so funny, too. A 13-year-old did it. It was, like, right up my alley. Yeah, yeah I'm actually looking that's, over that's it. kind of like, the thing about Kickstarter is, like, you never know what you're going to get at, at the end of the day, right? And um, it's something that we've been talking about doing a special on for years. Years and years. Um, kind of Kickstarters, the risks, the benefits, the... You know, the, the evolution of the Kickstarter in general, because it started off, you know, anyone and everyone was going up there, especially in the creative sphere. Um, but I've seen that over the years, it's kind of evolved a little bit. It's changing a little bit. Content creators are kind of leaving Kickstarter a bit, going some other routes. Um, I've even seen some content creators on OnlyFans, but that's neither near or there. Yeah. Um, but Ugh. yeah, it's something that I kind of want to talk about and kind of follow on a little bit more. Yeah. Funny enough, Ian from the one episode, his dad is the guy that I love talking to you about Kickstarter the most. Um, he is the former head of litigation at a law firm and he has maintained that like Kickstarter is fascinating, but he's, his view is that it's just like, it's just a matter of time before someone sues them and their entire business model gets 
upset because of the nature of how contracts work in like North American law. Because okay. Kickstarter maintains that this isn't a contract, even though you're giving money to get a thing, which definitionally, like, that's what a contract is, is it's offer, it's, what is it, it's offer consideration and acceptance. So it's, it's, you have to, it's ex- any exchange of a thing for a thing with a meeting of the minds that we both agree we're exchanging a thing yeah. is de facto a contract. Star Citizen. The thing is, right now, there's yeah. no precedence, right? And once there is precedence... That's going to be the thing that breaks it. I don't yeah, think it's going to be Star Citizen because that audience is too... Oh, yeah, true. It'll be something like Star Citizen. But yeah, like a class action for Star Citizen. Well, there's got to be disgruntled Star Citizen investors. And, I don't think there's know. enough, though, is the issue. Mm. But that audience is weird. Yeah. I hope it gets made. The promise is, is definitely there, but it's just the promise. Yeah, the having looked into Star Citizen a little bit, I think that part of the issue is is that like there is no Kickstarter does not have a guarantee that what you get is good. It just has to like match what was advertised within the relatively mm-hmm. a, like large amount of area we give for like difference between advertising and what you get. Yeah. So Makes sense. one could argue Star Citizen is done because th- you can go look at your spaceships. <laughs> well, that, that, it just reeks to me uh, yeah. the limited exposure that I've exposed myself to it. Yeah. It just seems like there's a developer there who is never happy. It will never say it's done and just always says, well, we could do more. And therefore, it never gets released. You know, he doesn't iterate it. He just wants to release the perfect game or the team does whatever it is. And yeah, there's just this constant. It's the technicians. You know, I I used to be a technician. And Mm -hmm. the funny thing was, is that you never fix something to be fixed all the way because then you're taking away your career. (laughs) You want it to break eventually type thing. So, yeah, the counter being that like games need to be finished. Yeah. Or finished enough. Well, yeah, big time. People got to play it. Like, that's what I don't understand because you can iterate it up just like CD Projekt Red are doing with Cyberpunk. Hey, guess what? We'll fix it. It's that simple. Yeah. We'll keep on working. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. Yes. But you need, a, you know, that, that MVP, the minimum viable product to get out there. And unfortunately, you know, I don't know what it is, Keyword whether viable. it's the... Um, the PMs or dev or pressures, but you know, sometimes they, they, they try to do too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I've heard points to the devs on this, but you know, that that's an oversimplification, I'm sure. So I, I don't mean to insult any devs, any developers out there. Um, it just sounds like it's this one particular dude from, from back in the day, who made that successful video game franchise? I can't even remember what the original was, but it's spaceships. Star Citizen. Yeah, for Star Citizen, who, who the guy made a, a game before that, didn't he? Well, I thought he. Well, I thought it was also called Star Citizen. No, 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 no. no. Right. It was. It was. It was. It was very popular. Okay. But anyhow, spaceships, like you know, back in the day, spaceships, like sports shapes. Yeah. So yeah. Anyhow, that's Star Citizen. Yep. Boris, yep. what'd you get up to? 
Oh man! Like aside from recording ten thousand podcasts, aside from recording ten thousand podcasts, uh, fuck! This week's been insane. Work is just honestly just just killing me this week, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, not complaining. Just you know, just takes up a lot of time. Uh, what else have I been up to? I've been watching. Uh, actually, um, this week I watched that new Netflix show. Uh, Firefly Lane. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. It, it's right wait, up wait. Boris's alley. Right up Boris's alley. Uh, what else? For people watch? who don't know, what is it about? Um, it's basically two friends and their bond over the years, like their entire mm. lifetime and whatnot. Their ups and their downs. Um, it's very much like This Is Us, uh, where you know it jumps back and forth in time telling a story it's pretty good um uh, what else have i watched i've watched the you and your melodrama uh yeah i know right you really dig that like like it's just i remember we were both watching love at the same time yeah and that was like freaky yeah yeah that show was so funny though Uh, oh yeah what else have i watched um i watched a show called Fate. Uh, it's called basic. what? Fate. Fate. Uh, Fate. It is basically Harry Potter with fairies. Mm. Oh wait, it... with some CW <clears throat> with some CW drama. Oh god, it's not that good. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Riverdale. Uh, basically, what else did I watch? I watched a movie, Spanish movie called Below Zero. Uh, it's essentially about like a prisoner transfer gone wrong. Eh. Yeah. I've seen better. It looked. Yeah. Sorry. It looked interesting. Yeah, it's 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 not too bad, but it's just very slow burn. Um, what else did I watch? I've been watching this actually show uh, on Netflix called H. H. It's also in Spanish, Spanish show. There's, mm-hmm. They've just been killing it. Like we talked about mm-hmm. what, a week or two ago. Um, and this show is basically takes place in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, and it's about heroin and heroin-like products and kind of like that. Um, it's kind of like, um, uh, what, what was that show from a few years ago? Not The Sopranos. Um, something... Breaking Bad. Nah, not really. Ah, <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. But it's pretty good. And then obviously, been watching Snowpiercer as that comes out. Because uh, I don't sleep. So, Tuesday morning, I was able to watch that. And this season has been really good. I know you've been kind of following that as well, uh, Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm on it. Like, you know, Tuesday. That's part of my Tuesday routine. Yeah. Fire up Netflix and check it out. See what's happening. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And then, yeah, this morning, like, I ha- I, I basically slept, like, an hour. Uh, just haven't been able to sleep, so I was screwing around on the computer all, computer all morning. About 10.30, everything just dies. My phone, obviously, <laughs> is still working. And the guy's upstairs. Like, it's a couple that lives up there, and they just, like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, they, they have the, the modem, and they just basically changed every setting known to man and it's like well you do realize that 
there's a bunch of people living here. So, uh, you know, I had to go upstairs, wait 15 minutes to even get in their place, reset the modem to the exact settings that they were at before um, so that all of our devices can just automatically connect. And it was just a piss off. So that was my morning in a nutshell. Um, Yay. Yeah, it's just it's not fun. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. The beauty of living here in downtown Toronto sometimes, you don't have full control of everything, um, but uh, it is what it is. But in terms of, like, actual TV watching, like, yeah, I've been super busy, but I've been finding time here and there to watch quite a bit, actually. Huh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I found out this week that spicy kimchi is really tasty. You know, when you said that... Before? I, I've never... I've never really indulged in it directly. And a friend of mine didn't order for organic spicy kimchi and regular kimchi. So I said, hey, I'll jump in on that. Get your minimum free shipping quota under control. And yeah, yeah, it's really tasty, really good for the gut bacteria, apparently. Checks out. I don't think I don't think my dad likes it. but When you sent me that message, I thought you were talking about Kim's convenience. I'm like, I was very confused. I mean, it also well, could have been Kim, she's a drag queen. <laughs> I, it was, yeah, there was a, a, there was a weird explosion that happened Friday morning, everybody. Just pray oh, you're not downwind. <laughs> so funny. No, it's tasty, so though. I like it. I like it. But it does smell weird when you take the cap off. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it's like, kind it's like a, a fermented. Mm-hmm. Fermented cabbage. Yeah. With like it's, spices uh, and chilies and shit. Yep. Yeah. It's very healthy. Very healthy. Yeah, I love you it. You don't have to have it spicy. No. No. No, no, no. But it's really good. I have a whole bottle here right now. Um, because I love making that with you know, with fried rice, egg on top. Pretty simple. Sweet. Yeah. Alright, guys. Let us move on. Give us some time to talk about all of the other subjects. Unless there's anything else you guys want to bring up, but I doubt it. Um, Down to business. Right. So, reboots, renewals, and all this fun stuff. What sparked this uh, little conversation we were talking about a little bit later on at the last half of the week? That's Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And we're finding out more news about it. Um, the lack of updates that's being made. Uh, so I basically want to take, number one, your take on Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And kind of like, you know, is this a cash grab? Is this nostalgia? Like, what's the point of this? I know that we've talked about this many times. But, like, you know, I think this is a perfect example of a studio just, you know, trying to make a quick buck. Um, and I think that in the process of doing that, they might be angering some of their diehard fans what do you think tyler i think that it's worth remembering that mass effect remastered has been like long been requested since like almost i think like two years after three was out people started yep. requesting a remastered trilogy yep so like if you if the audience keeps demanding it at some point like, the company is no longer like well we're gonna give it to you then and if it's just like, yeah, we're reaching this era where what is a remaster is becoming increasingly like, 
it isn't what it once was. Because once yeah. upon a time, it was just, we're going to put a bunch of new textures in, we're going to tweak the graphics a little bit. And it's the exact same underlying mechanics. Yeah, um, pretty much. And then with Final Fantasy VII r- Remake, which slash might be a sequel, slash might like be the finale? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like it 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 changes major story elements and like it is apparently canonical with the previous playthrough and with all of the other games and TV shows and movies in that world. Yeah, it's like Whereas, they're aware of what's going on, right? And they know that something has happened before and yada yada yada. Well, like it, canonically, Sephiroth in this version is a time traveler, and you fight and kill the the clones from Advent Children. So, who knows? Who knows? Uh, the point being that what is a remake is a, like a, a very wide ambit right now. And I yeah. think that the Mass Effect audience is very quickly becoming a shitty audience. Yeah. It's been on that road since Andrew, well, since three. Since three, <laughs> three really yeah. showed kind of that toxic fandom, but I feel that like you know the reception of Andromeda really, really showed that fandom kind of where they're at, and then kind of seeing the news of what's going on um, with this particular version, it's we're really seeing it. So I actually I think it's been since two. I think it's been since two because I yeah. remember when two came out and people were like, "This isn't Mass Effect." Yeah. How dare sure. they do this, that, and the other? It's like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. Well, I look at it on a different, a little bit of a, a of a different take. Okay. I, I'm not looking at it as a Mass Effect fan or hater or whatever category everybody sure. seems to slide into at some point. But I look at it from a studio standpoint. Right. This studio has really shit hard on itself. Um we look at Anthem and that whole debacle. Uh, that was two years of absolutely shameful behavior from right. a studio. You look at Andromeda and what that was. Now, I, I was saying to Tyler off air that I think there was a better game than a lot of us gave credit for in that title because I didn't pay attention to the backlash as much. And I got further into that game than maybe a lot of people did. I didn't finish it, though. It, it did eventually unravel for me. But I look at all that experience and all of what's happened with Bioware, and then I think what they're trying to do is hit an easy home run right now. I just think that they want to signal to everybody that we all know that there's a new Dragon Age coming down the pipe, and they're doing something to do a stopgap in the middle to kind of bump up their studio awareness and have stuff to positively talk about. Instead of the press junket being again about Anthem and that whole situation and lack of response. Yeah. Yep. They kept on promising they're going to fix it. This yeah. is two years and it's like nothing's moved other than somebody on Twitter saying that they're going to fix it. Yeah. It's, that's just ter- terrible. If, if anybody wants to complain about CD Projekt Red or anything like that, like, Holy shit, go look at what, what Bioware did on Anthem. Like, yeah. at least Project Red is fixing their shit and trying to make the product become better and refine it and do the responsible shit. 
But you look at what Bioware did, and it's shameful. And that's one of the biggest, like, it's under EA's tutelage. It's an absolute disgrace to consumers. I still have that disc on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah, we... Um... Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't want to open up that can of worms, the CD Projekt Red can of worms again, but no, you're 100% I, right there. I, I just use it as an example, right? Because I can't identify with Bethsaida doing the same thing. Because Bethsaida released a game and basically it just continues to roll down shit creek. Like, it, it doesn't get any better. It's just broken on release and there's not really a lot of patches. Yeah, or it's but... Doom Eternal and it's art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Doom Eternal has one of the best gameplay loops in video game history. I think I'm in it right now. Um, I also think that it's worth noting that I think that whether it was EA's decision or Bioware's, because it is like a sub-developer and it does have some autonomy. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's, it's like any of these, these studios. They have some autonomy from EA, but it's not. It's still with oversight. Yeah. And I think that after the pushback in three metastasized as much as it did because i think we don't remember like mass effect one released and it was kind of a slow burn for becoming super popular like it wasn't mm -hmm. an instant hit well it was an exclusive right so it was like yeah. the, the the audience was limited but regardless you're right originally yeah. yeah and then and then like there was a huge pushback on two originally and then people came around to loving it and there was a huge pushback on three originally and then like you know, a decent number of people have come around to liking it for what it is and being like, it's a flawed, but ultimately it's a decent game with kind of a flawed ending. Yeah. To Andromeda, like, I think you have a lot of people who are, are you know, a lot of people have come around to being ambivalent to Andromeda versus, like, the initial vitriol. Yeah. But I think that those initial backlashes made Bioware like... They're, they were gun shy, and I think the right call after Andromeda, it, Andromeda's initial thing was no matter what game you made after Mass Effect Three, was going to get shit on. You yeah. were going to get a bunch of hate, no matter what, because it wasn't going to be Shepard, and you didn't want to continue that story. Because I, I don't know how you continue that story at, at that point. I think you got to put it to bed. I really think it's the right call from an IP management standpoint, because otherwise it becomes Commander Shepard's story versus like this interesting universe you've built. And they should have just been like, fuck it, fine. And they should have done a, a, a Ubisoft Lite, and they should have done Andromeda, maybe do the one DLC they announced, yeah. clean it up a little bit, clean up some of the problems like they did, and then just release another Mass Effect game in two years and have it, you know, it's not going to be as big as three, it's not going to be as groundbreaking, but you get people used to this idea that Mass Effect can be bigger than this weird thing they have bought into. And I think it's very analogous to Star Wars. I was literally going to say that this is the thing. You know, you created this franchise that's based on a chosen one. And the big story right. with, with Shepard, you know, let's focus on Mass Effect right now. Um, yeah, you know, the, the original Trinch. Yeah, he's the chosen one. Like, he's... There's this entire story, and the world and the galaxy's fate is up to him. So to create Damn. a franchise based off of that, how do you do that? How do you create... And this is kind of something that Andromeda uh, suffered on, right? Where, how do you create a story outside of that main mainline uh, story that people are going to give a crap about? You know that no matter what, yeah. 
the characters aren't the chosen one. So how do you kind of play the balancing act of, okay, this story is super interesting, but, you know, the fate of the galaxy isn't up to this particular person. There's obviously ways that you can do it such that they tie in together or something, but, you know, you're already kind of creating this uphill battle for 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 yourself by putting so much onus on the mainline story. Yeah, yeah I, I also think it's worth... Yeah, I think they tried to do a lot of that with, with Andromeda. I think you're right. Um, you have to have this way of having other interesting stories. And we've seen, but like this audience would be super down with like a story just being about saving one planet. Yeah. Like you could have done, you know, oh, you're just in this other game and you get it. Like, I think that you could have gotten players very, very excited about a game where it's about it's about a 20 hour main storyline. It's about, you know, some planet like Eden Prime of it's a new colony or whatever or or even. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff you could have done with it. Have it be like your the pitches instead of being like or this human is. You know, it's a twenty-hour game. Uh, you got you to make your own spectre at the beginning. It can be one of these races. Yeah, that we've already built for like multiplayer. So you already have a lot of the rigging and stuff done, and have it be a smaller, more cohesive game, and have it be about like, you know, your focus is is a lot more limited in scope, and you get to jet around a little bit, but your focus is on like. You know, there's there's a war brewing over this one planet, and you're yeah. like figuring out what's going on, and have it be a little bit of a conspiracy, of like, you know, some shadow broker esque character is trying to incite a war between the Turians and the Solarians or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, make like, I think you could have done. I think they could have they could have put out a game like that. Um, use the frostbite i think you could use the frostbite engine again use it basically the multiplayer engine from from andromeda put a decent writing team on it slap it out and again like i mean i think that we're we're seeing of this this there's, there's room for single a games versus triple a games put it out at 60 bucks instead of 80 mm-hmm. and well, i think your audience would have been decently pleased and basically at- be like look we have the main story still going but here's a fun little side thing yeah, look at what Sony did with Miles Morales, right? I think that was brilliant. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly yep. what I'm getting at. Be more humble. Satisfy the thirst. Build I... a bigger universe. Well, I mean, the, the issue with Mass Effect is it's such a big universe. There's so many awesome things that, like, I think there's a ton of room that you could just be like, all right, we're just going to, like, you, this game is just about you have to play biotic this game, but you get to choose which race. Yeah. And this is all about, you know, you're training a biotic squad for whatever. I think there was still some lingering hate and, um, you know, resentment towards Mass Effect 3, which kind of rubbed off on Andromeda. Like, there was... It was was both resentment and hate and still at high expectations. Yes. I think a lot of people wanted Andromeda to fix three. And I think that, you know, that was never going to happen. And if Mm -hmm. you want to go back to that IP, you just have to keep putting out games to, like, denude that vitriol and just have people be more okay with it. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that there was an awful lot of gameplay breakage 
for people. I didn't experience it as much, but that game got memed to hell for some of the floating characters and some of the graphical issues that were happening with it. Sure. That didn't help it. You know what I mean? Because the minute it becomes something that people are pointing to and laughing at on the internet is when you take on this boatload of extra hate. Like you have your hardcore players that you're right are angry about three and are going into this, but then you get that happening and people who aren't even buying the game are circulating bad press about it. You know what I mean? And it's just a weird toxic stew that that game got dragged into. I think that the nature of the internet. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and I've had this article idea. I've been chopping around for a while of the unmemeable game. And I think the unmemeable game is also the unmemorable game. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's um, part and of it. that I think the, the problem a lot of these big companies have is less so these bugs and graphical errors, but in how they handle it. Yeah. Like, could you imagine how much? And I think that's part of what CDPR is doing right now that their 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 online team is given some leeway is owning that. Like, we've made some mistakes. Like, could you imagine Bioware coming out and being like, wait, because the one me that kept going is my face is tired. And they were like, yeah. and they, instead of doing that, they owned it. And they were like, yeah, haven't you ever fucked up your makeup in the morning? She's very tired. <laughs> I think that would have gone a real long way to, to diffusing that. But instead, yeah. they're like, no, it's great. It just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I mean, well, I, yeah. Yeah. you have to look at what happened in Anthem, though, too. They did lean into it and say, yeah, we fucked up, but it took an awful long time. Well, it, one, it took an awful long time, and two, I don't think you can pair Anthem to Mass Effect and Drop. I think it's a, it's, it's a comparison oh, it's of its too own much thing, of fun, like, but things. I just, I point at the studio and maybe some of the overarching leadership that yeah. covers yeah. both projects sure. and their decisions, right? I'm like, the, maybe... The other gonna... side of it to me is that Anthem was pitched as like this is going to be a new big huge IP, and I I, I don't know anytime, and I, I I work in creative fields, and it happens all the time. If people are like, this is going to be the next big IP, and I'm, it's always like, well, how do you know that? Why? Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, Anthem's a great example of like this is going to be bigger than Mass Effect, and yeah. it wasn't. Or I mean, Destiny was originally pitched as like the Halo killer. Yep. Yeah. And it was like, why not both? Yep. yep. And I, I, I think that we see all the time in creative industries of like people want to make like they want to make the next big IP, but you just got to put the game out there and see if it gets if that audience catches. buy it. Because yep. sometimes it doesn't, and you can have like there's tons of great games out there that the audience that are are phenomenal games, and the audience never found them. Yeah. Well, yeah. the the funny thing is, is like, let's just take a look at the two that you mentioned, Halo, like uh, uh, Destiny and, and and Anthem in, in how they were positioned. And it's just hilarious to me because, yeah, they, they never got, they, they both suffered from huge writing issues. That's one of the things that, that Halo has had benefited from. The reason why we all played Halo isn't because it was the first shooter or whatever on a console, it was because the story was interesting too, right? There was mm-hmm. other elements that were bringing us into that title. Destiny didn't have a proper story. 
it was disjointed on release, right? And the audience oh caught them God. on it. Yeah. And it, it was terrible because I wanted to know more about Destiny, the universe, because I was buying that hype. And Destiny 2 to this day, like I'm just seeing reports now that they're actually starting to fix some of the writing errors that they've basically have been existing. Like I would joke with my friends, we're playing Destiny, and I'm like, we don't know what the story is. Like we literally don't know. And we're having to read these cards and go on to Reddit and and do all this extra work just to try and figure out what the story is. That's freaking stupid. Like get your basic shit in order. Write a good universe. Then make your game on that. You know what I mean? And don't fire the writers two months before release or whatever it is that the debacle was in Destiny of Bungie. Right? It's Those are all fundamental. And as gamers, I, I think that a lot of people sell us short. Like, we're, not, we're just going to go, oh, look, it's Iron Man in space. I get to be Iron Man. This is Anthem. I'm Iron Man. I can fly. I got the suit. And they think that that's going to placate everybody. Like, oh, kids will love it. People will eat this up. Well, no, if the gameplay mechanics are shit, if the story's non-existent, if all this stuff doesn't flesh out, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Destiny, you got my money, but damn. Destiny, to me, always felt like a, one of those um, free-to-play, pay-to-win type games. Um, yep. Where, kind of like a Warframe, you know? Basic story, mm -hmm. do a bunch of missions, but to actually advance you have to put in your money so the fact that destiny was like whatever you know your triple a title price to begin with you know that's what took me out like i'm like constantly doing these missions i played for like a weekend and i'm like well this game sucks and i moved on right like to your points earlier there was no story it, everything felt disjointed everything felt like kind of not even rushed just kind of Man, just right there, yeah. right right in front of you. So it never felt like an actual game, an actual mm -hmm. completed game. It was just a bunch of random stuff that you chose to do or chose not to do. And wherever it takes you, that's where we're at. I also want to... I sank I I, hundreds of hours into both of those titles. Yeah. I'm ashamed to say. I also want to swing back around to Mass Effect 1 for a second. And I want to remind people, like, that... Could have worked mm -hmm. as a standalone game. Mm -hmm. That did not actually need a sequel originally. I'm I'm thrilled we got a sequel, but it was very much like it was built that this can stand on its own, and and building things that like like Anthem, where it can't stand on its own, and it is designed to be getting major patches regularly, which means that you need a big enough player base paying money enough to continue to pay for that, and if that doesn't materialize. You're dead in arrival, and you're gonna piss the player base that you did get off. Well, so I don't get people. Isn't that one of the things that that's really fucked up the game industry right now? Is there's no single player games supposedly? I mean, that's a regular meme. I don't think yeah. it's. Yeah. I don't think it's. Real. I don't think it's necessarily think it's true real. because there are lots of single player games out there. We all play them. There's but, insane numbers of single player games out there. Yeah, but but it's it's just that. Everybody wants to be online and whatnot, and that's a good point, too, is that there's a cost associated to that, and that means there are going to be hooks to get your money in-game. Yeah. There's going to be pay-to-win strategies or pay-to-accessorize or whatever it is. Yeah. Keep those servers running. Here's the thing, right? Like, single-player games, like, 
we've seen in this whole thing about uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and the drop-off of active mm-hmm. gamers. Yes, there's been a large drop-off. You know why? Because they finished the game. They finished the game. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's... Multiplayer games give you that life cycle, that lifespan that single players can't. So people tend to talk about those games a lot more, always forgetting the just the sheer number of single player games that there are, which there's so much. I can name like ten off the top of my head right oh, now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um oh, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so it's just an interesting thing going back to Mass Effect and the Legendary Edition and like, you know, it's that hit of nostalgia. I think fans are starting to, I don't want to say backlash on the entire idea, but their expectations are becoming a little more difficult, right? It's like you can't just slap a uh, coat of paint on it and, and, and call it a day. I think fans uh, but in less general... Bots. Sorry? Less butts. Yes. Yes. Less They're cutting butts. down on the butt shots. Yes. Which were gratuitous. They There was a lot more of that than they should have had. But <clears throat> you're right. Uh, I, I But I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm bitter, and I probably will buy it because I want to see what's going on. But I'm getting to the point where I'm bitter because I already have it on my original 360 shelf. And I rebought it because, hey, look, they re-released it for Sony. So I bought that complete edition in the metal box and all that stuff. Like, it's, it's already a game that's proliferated many times on my shelf. And here we go again. Yeah. Right. But you don't have to buy it. Nope. But <laughs> I probably will, right? It, it's I know myself, and I know I'm going to hate myself for it. Yeah. But I'm probably going to make that choice. If they release it for, what, like 70 bucks for all three games or something like that, or 60 bucks or whatever the price point is, I'm probably going to cave on that because I'll be like, well, I, I'm hearing that they're reworking all the gameplay dynamics in the first one so that it's more similar to two and three and whatnot. And yep. It's not just a coat of paint, supposedly, but it is when they want it to be. Yeah. All right, so that's reboots, remakes, and pretty much video games in general. Um, so we're going to move on. So last week we were talking about WWE's deal with Peacock. Um, and one of the things I wanted to bring up this week is kind of the price of content. Uh, with so many streaming services, obviously, they need content. Um, so one of the things that came up this week was New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, arguably the second biggest wrestling promotion in all of the world. Um, sorry, AEW fans. It's NJPW. Um, they, this week, announced that they signed a partnership to have a weekly TV show in certain countries, Canada, UK, um, the US, etc., on Roku TV whatever that whatever that is uh so it's a multi-year deal um and this got me thinking about kind of like the the broader world of 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 content and streaming and the price of content and how everyone is going for those um exclusive rights for content um, because of so many streaming services but 
one of the things that we're going to be noticing, and it's something that we've talked about about Netflix, and that's the quality of some of this content. Uh, you know, the services have to fill their libraries with something. So, you know, oftentimes it's not going to be the best of shows, the best of content, content that not only is not just for you, but things that shouldn't even be made in general. Um, so, you know, do you see this hurting streaming services in the long run? Phil, what do you think? I do think that there's way too many streaming services, too many exclusives. And we're getting to the bloated segment of the market, and it's going to have to correct itself, and it will. Consumers will make that choice. Either people are going to go to the internet and find the good stuff and steal it and watch it, or you're going to get, you know, what's happening now where we all have our Netflix and whatnot, but we we ignore other services. The fact is that there's not enough for all of us to buy. And heck, even being in Canada, I'd love to have Hulu and have its content, but I can't. That type of thing. So it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's just a weird segmentation in the market. Yeah. And I'm not pleased with it as a customer, but it's it's going to have to correct itself. Either shit's going to fail and then stuff will refine itself on other services that are succeeding. Yeah. That's the way I think that it's ultimately going to filter out. Yeah. What do you think, Tyler? I'm going to take a bit of a contrarian opinion. And I think that it's worth remembering that for anything, 80% of the crap being made is garbage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about back in the day, how many made-for-TV movies there were. Yep. I think mm-hmm. a bigger issue of what we're facing right now is the tendency for Netflix and and a lot of these streaming services are making it easier for it to just be cliquey groups that keep getting work rather than newcomers having any sort of chance to break in um and and i think like the great example of it is i we, we watched two movies this week that i didn't mention because they were garbage and it was slaughterhouse rules with a Z, which was which has simon pegg and nick frost in it oh wow and it's a garbage movie and we looked into it and the writer has never had a move the writer slash director has never had a movie make money. He's never had a movie break even. And he keeps getting movie deals. Because he's friends with Simon Pegg. Oh. And then we watched Inherit. And it's the same thing. If It's like this person has only ever made bad movies. Yeah. And they just get to keep making bad movies that don't make money. And then we have like, like, like calling a spade a spade. We have a bunch of like, super weird out there interesting creators who are stuck on YouTube and the film the 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 called the festival circuit yep right like the indie stuff who Netflix half the time even Netflix won't give the time of day even though they like are allegedly the place you can break in through yeah and it really seems like rather than making things like you have a chance they're making it worse because instead of being run by people who are at least like to think of themselves as creative um like the old hollywood studio system was which i'm not defending it 
because it had a bunch of problems as well. But there were people involved who like pretended there was like a creative spark mm-hmm. behind what they were doing and they were chasing something. Netflix seems very happy to be like, we're going to do this as cheap as possible. And we're just going to chase metrics. Yep. And that's how you get all the boys I've loved before three. Thanks. And Netflix's new, like, de facto take on the Hallmark movie. Yeah. With the Netflix cinematic universe. And it's just, it, they're garbage. Yep. And I think you bring up a great point. Incredibly white. In, you know, the whole TV has never been perfect. Uh, we're just seeing this now, like, kind of um, multiplied, you know. And, and it partially kind of a little more painful now because. You know, you're paying for each of these services per month. You know, yeah. in, with cable, you kind of got everything, right? So it was all included. But now you're you're actually putting your hard-earned cash to these channels. Um, one thing that I've been noticing more on, and I want to get more metrics on, is the number of people who do a rotating um, tour of streaming services. I know that this is something that a lot of people are starting to do. I have friends who do this. Who, you know, one yeah. month they'll pay in for Netflix or two months. Then they'll move to Disney Plus. Then they'll move to Amazon. Then they'll move to Crave, you know, and kind of do this rotation throughout the year of all these streaming services. So I'd love to see kind of like what those metrics are and how the streaming services themselves count them because, yeah, they're active users per se. But, you know, they're not getting that monthly recurring revenue from them. So that's, you know, something else to consider to consider when we're talking mm-hmm. about this stuff, um, you know, and, and, and kind of seeing uh, how they're dealing with this. But the important thing here is, I think, something that you always bring up, Phil, and that's, you know, the torrenting, the gray web, as I like to call it. The rise yes, of the gray the web is for dogs. sure going up because, you know, I know a lot of people, not a lot. I know a few people who, you know, that's how they watch Mandalorian. Mandalorian was the f- most uh, pirated show after Game of Thrones, you know. So um, it's it's interesting to kind of see where this is going to go. I've, I see it in a cross section of my friends. I see it on the rise. I can I can say that out of our general chats. Hey Dave. Yeah. <laughs> there are people who are going to those sources to get their entertainment. And it's actually a discussion mm-hmm. of comedy within the families, even because they know certain people aren't subscribing to services, yet they're always up to date on what's going on. They're like, Yeah, yeah I watched that episode. And it's like yep. <laughs> how <laughs> type so, thing. But here's yeah. another interesting thing. Sorry, Tyler. And this is the metrics that these streaming services actually keep because what's more important to a streaming service, the number of subscribers they have or the minutes viewed on their service. Mm. I think it depends on the, the, the service because yeah. anyone who's watched much of Netflix's, um, the Netflix cinematic universe, as it's cheekily called, can see that there are bananas product placements in there. So mm-hmm. Netflix probably makes more money off of those having more viewership minutes. Right. So that's probably part of the deal. Because the product placements are disgusting in some of them. Like, there was... 
oh shoot, what show is it? There was a show that literally had like, oh, well, it's so great that we got all of these Kindle paperweights from Amazon for our school. <laughs> they are a super accessible and useful way for the students to learn. I love how much fun they are too. And then like the entire plot of the episode was about someone stealing all of our Amazon Kindle paperweights that we had got oh. for the school. Yeah. And oh, it's like, God. it's gross. And I, and I did a little bit of digging while y'all were talking and only one company has, re- has released any information about this rotation. And it's Netflix huh. because it came up during their shareholder meeting and Netflix was basically like, ah, it's happening, but it's not really enough to bother us. It's right. kind of what happens to other services. And that's actually yeah, a great point. It's just like the I profile some, sharing, right? Yeah. I know some people who keep Netflix regardless yeah. because it's mm-hmm. something that they've been paying into for so long, but they'll do the rotation of other services or because of profile sharing, they'll always have a Netflix account. So that's why I say, that's like, what, what metrics is actually exactly what metric is actually important to to people? Because I know um, this is about two years ago. Uh, WWE and their network they had about one point, I say three million subscribers yeah. uh, to their network. One point one domestically in the states, and uh, their whole thing was about number of minutes. Um, and they hmm. actually extended pay-per-view uh, from like three hours to like four, four and a half. WrestleMania was became like a five-hour ordeal because it was number of minutes that they were tracking. And that's how bonuses were actually given within mm-hmm. WWE based on certain goals that they achieved on number of minutes spent um, on the WWE network. Interesting. Yeah. I never really considered that uh, aspect of it. It makes sense. That's. I don't know. Like, is it good to make content like that just based off of contractual bonuses? Like, I'd rather a show be an hour long with killer content than watching six hours of drawn out content. Or, well, it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question and point. I mean, this has always been at the heart of any creative industry is is the tension between in scare quotes making good art whatever that is with making money and you know when when it's really good we see stuff end out awesome 80 percent of everything is garbage yep yeah and i wonder how much the pandemic plays into that too more time to watch so that when it gets dragged out or drawn out or it it's quite questionable in its content to begin with, but it still gets greenlit because they need to have new shows. They need to, to churn the monster, right? Like they need to keep it, feed the beast and just keep new stuff hitting. Like I say, my most annoying notification from Netflix on my phone is, there are 708 new shows dropping this month. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, what the hell am I going to do with this much content? Like, the algorithm seems to be working, though. It's picking stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Pandemic life. That pretty much is it. Anything else to add, guys, before we move on? 
It's all weird. Yeah. Yep. All right. Bill, this one's near and dear to your heart. Stadia. Oh, no. What is going on with Stadia? So earlier this week, it was announced that Stadia Studios, or whatever it was called, the studio that was going to make first, um, uh, you know, for uh, in-house games for Google is shuddering. It's no more. This caused a bunch of articles. And I was even getting bombarded on our social medias, FYI, with thanks for that, Phil, with people um, saying (laughs) Stadia's dead, you know, that's it for Stadia, Stadia's dead. People didn't even read the article that it was the studio. So obviously Google kind of in this announcement, you know, to kind of calm their customers down a little bit, uh, went on to say, you know, we're doubling down our efforts on Stadia. Be a little tranquilo, you know, we're, we're, we're mm-hmm. very committed to this. But as we talked about on our previous show, who are their customers? Is it the end user or is it other developers and studios? Well, when you read the statement itself, it kind of tips its hat to the developers because they mentioned it, I think, four times in the press release that they're like, hey, well, we're going to make an environment that's really good for, for, you know, the developer, like the third-party companies to basically access an audience. So you're right. There's a huge overreaction to it. All the people who wanted to say it's dead got to step up to the mic and say it's dead. I will say that it has given the fan base from what I've seen and the pools that I am in, it's shaken everybody a little bit because it's that inevitability that is Google where they abandon projects, right? We, yep. The graveyard is the Google graveyard is a thing. And it certainly looks like this is advancing that in a direction. If not happening now, then maybe later. But yep. at the same rate, I was talking about this off mic with Tyler a little bit. It's a big investment that Google's made into the cloud gaming. And that, whether or not they close a AAA studio that never made anything or not, that that overhead is still there. And they're just positioning it differently for their developers to put services on. That's generally what I think we've all figured out. That we're going to be looking at a situation where Ubisoft, with its play service, might migrate over to that and use it as a backbone to you know, do the thing and part of the deal hopefully will be, okay, if you're going to put all these games on it, we want to make those games available to our Stadia customers that are there. Because I just don't think that the, the, maybe the cyberpunk thing helped it, maybe it hurt it. Because maybe they found out what the real player base is that's going to buy video games and that, that, that's what's forcing this now. Because they're like, okay, cyberpunk was our chance to really make this product viable and then they look at the numbers and they go even with all the good press even though there was bad press as we've talked about but all the good press because it works on stadia we still didn't see a high enough return so therefore we're gonna have to start fragmenting our you know backbone that we've created and start licensing it out or approaching different studios with getting their stuff onto our servers yep so I, I, long story short, I don't think the stadium players that are out there 
have anything to worry about right now, maybe down the road. And I think that it's just going to go to these, um, you know, a lot of the resources going to go over to, to that. That's where they're going to be putting their, aim in their direction of the, of the car, or the ship. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're right, and one thing that you you mentioned that I really want to highlight is the whole thing that, you know, they're providing this back end for other companies now. You know, that's a service that they're going to be selling yeah. for other companies, and I think that part of the deal, as you've said, it's naturally, hey, if we're going to be doing this, it's going to be available to our customers. I can also see the infrastructure of Stadia being sold to Sony or Microsoft. Yeah. And, you know, them just eating it up into either PS Now or Game Pass. Yeah, and I, I did join a community group for hashtag Team Stadia this week, too. Just where they made a statement basically saying, you know, as fans, we're not going anywhere. We're, we believe in this cloud idea. And I got to say, like, it has warped my mind doing this experiment for the show with cyberpunk and with the other titles that I purchased, I now go onto my Xbox and I look at, Oh, free games on Xbox game pass. Mm-hmm. But then I go, Oh fuck. I have to download that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And that, that cuts into my bandwidth, which means less, you know what I mean? Like I, I think about the implications of what's doing, what went now. So I'm like timing my downloads for the evening when I'm not playing stadia or whatever. If I want to experiment with dirt four or something like that. Like it really is influencing how I game and I'm surprised by how much of an influence it is because it's instant gratification. You pay your money, game's ready. Yeah. We're we're going to play. Yeah. It, and and then the amount of free games, like I redeemed another like six titles last night for free with my pro. I don't know. Some of them entered the gungeon or whatever. I'm playing that and I'm like mildly enjoying it, which wouldn't be a game that I'd normally pick yeah, for me to for play. Sure. Stuff like that, like the accessibility of it makes it more, makes me more open to trying things instead of committing and managing resources, managing downloads, managing updates, all that shit starts to get on me. And this is really a, a, like, it's even to the point where I looked up, I had to Google when Microsoft is going to be able to stream their service to a computer when Game Pass is streamable. Because right now, you can only stream it to a tablet or to a phone. And shortly, they, they said in the spring that basically they're going to do what Stadia is doing. They're going to stream it to any screen that you want. Like, you're going to be able to do it in a browser, that type of thing. So you're going to be able to go on, click on the tab, and just say, I want to see what games are available to stream. It'll play them out, and then you can... You know, if you have that title in your library, you can play it now. That's what PS Now does. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. So, you know, if, if Stadia ends up not being the one, I hope it doesn't. I hope it sticks around. But other companies are coming at that market pretty hard. It's, so you know, it's the Wild West right now. Everyone is putting a lot of investment. Microsoft, probably the most prolific investment in that space. But... You know, people always forget that Sony has a foot in that water, in that pool as well. Um, But so we'll see. Like, there's so much. This is it. Like, in my opinion, this is in some shape or way the future of gaming. I think that we're going to see a for sure rise of cloud gaming. It won't be 
exclusive. There's always going to be that need and that want for the physical copy and physical systems, but I for sure see this as kind of the direction of these companies. And I wouldn't put it past Microsoft to drop a physical system to go this route. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's... It is the future. Look at Luna. Look at where all these things are. I think it was extremely hopeful of Google to think that they could make a AAA game in less than five years. Yeah. Like an exclusive AAA title. These things take years and sometimes decades I, it, for a project. Yeah. It boggles my mind a little bit the commitment towards making these AAA games when mm-hmm. if they were just able to, to crap out like a dozen Among Us or Mario Party minigame-esque games just for free on Stadia yep. and have them be fun and just work instantly for multiplayer and you got with a Stadia thing. I think that would have been a much better play, personally. I agree. Yeah, and, you know, like, we, we got Journey to the Savage Planet Employee of the Month edition. That's a free game this month, a big free game. Yep, which this month is... It, it it's pretty crappy this month. We've we've got the least amount of free games on Stadia this month, and it, but still a lot. We're still four or five, right? And I'm playing that journey to the Savage Planet, and it's good. I wouldn't have played it otherwise, right? I'm just like holy shit. And it's not the type of game that's I don't know. It doesn't look like it's incredibly difficult to develop that game. Because it's basically just a lot of walking around and slow movement, right? It's 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 a pretty basic foundation, just wrapped up in a really good story, like like we're saying, get good writers. And I don't I don't know I haven't finished it yet, but that's the kind of stuff that they should have been focusing in on Stadia more, right? Like that's the type of content that you could probably bang it out in a year or two with a good bunch of devs and a solid story behind it and make a name for yourself and see how the market reacts and make your decisions based off of that. But it always comes down to Google oversimplifying something or overcomplicating it and then realizing, holy shit, doing this is hard. And then they get the fuck out of there. Like, yeah. like VR is difficult. Let's stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Well, and I think that I think that they're starting to see that every time they keep doing that, it makes it harder and harder for them to do these other weird things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even I think this week they they announced that there's the Google Drive, right, that we all use. Everybody uses Google Drive Mm -hmm. in some capacity. But then they have a professional Google Drive. I forget what it's called. But they have some kind of of business Google Drive. But then they are rolling it back to just be Google Drive now. It's just this whole frustrating experience as a customer because if you're an enterprise level, then you got to play in this sandbox with them. And then they roll it back to being all one thing because, well, it's too complicated otherwise. And this is exactly what they're doing with Stadia. This is exactly what they do with all their shit. Is they, they get something good, then they fuck it up, and then they try to roll it back. Yep. <laughs> and then eventually they go, well, we don't even want to be there. <laughs> no. And then, yeah, they cancel the project and a lot of fans are left pissed off. But, you know, you can only stay angry at Google for so long. Well, they have my money now. <laughs> so angry Phil will show up on their phone lines because I am super patient on navigating those queues. And um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna hear if they shutter that and they take my money and they go, sorry, there's better be some recompensation somewhere. 
in some form for Google for all these people who have spent money on their on the on these things. Yeah, for sure. It, it's going to be interesting. Like, and I I'm not dooming it. Like, like I say, I'm still optimistic the the service will stick around. All right. So I, I'm just saying, like on the flip side, if the reading between the lines is correct, then there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I think people are just overreacting, and we're quick to 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 declare Stadia dead. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think anyone actually reads articles anymore; just headlines. I agree. I saw uh, uh, IGN last night. One of the videos, Inside Gaming, one of the videos where Brian gets on there, and he just started totally tearing down Stadia. Uh, that it's like then he reads the article and he's like, oh, <laughs> maybe it's not as bad as we all thought. And I'm just yeah. like, God damn it! But your opening title credit is Stadia's dead. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. And that's how you're getting the clicks. It's clickbaiting. But I need my clicks. And people want to hate it, right? on it so bad. Yeah. People want to hate. Like I was doing it before I tried the service. I'm just like, oh, Stadia doesn't work. It's full of shit. It's a crap service. Blah 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 blah. And I try it. And I'm like, oh, it works well for me. <laughs> oh, this isn't that bad. Weird. Yeah. Oh, this is the future. Now it's totally won me over the other way. But there's so much hate out in the community by reviewers, by tech people. It it really is a large kaleidoscope of people throwing shade at Stadia all the freaking time. Huh? And yeah. It, it, it's galvanized the, the community where they're all really popular or they're all really um, defensive and happy to one another because they realize that the boat is a shrinking boat. Like there's yeah. only so many of us in there. So we have to support one another when we're talking about Stadia and spreading the love and keeping the so, hate out. You make it sound like a cult. Isn't it though? <laughs> oh, you know what? There's a lot of really good people in there. I got to say, I haven't had yeah, That's how they get you in. That's how, that's how every cult starts. <laughs> Look, there's a it lot of really me. good people. They make some really good points. Next thing you know, Phil's like, guys, I've sold all my belongings. I'm a stadium now. Stadia has invited us all out into a, a, a compound in upper state New York. Hmm. Look at UFOs. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, well, it, it, it reminds me of a little bit of the Jim Henson groups that I'm a part of. They're just mm. generally positive, which is refreshing instead of... Some groups, you know, you get together and it's your hate for something that really motivates you or your dislike of something. That is the Whereas, uh, internet wrestling community in a nutshell. I don't know why half mm. of these people still watch wrestling because all they do is shit on it, left, right, and center. Because because they need to hate it. They yeah. need that. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right, guys. That's true. Let's move it's on to anyway. that stadia. Again, we'll, we'll be bringing you updates we'll be talking about this we'll be hopefully making a stadia centric episode soon all right amazon earlier this week it was announced actually while we were recording that jeff bezos will transition from ceo to executive chair and pass the reins to andy jassy who is a 24 year amazon veteran uh, this is going to be happening later on this year uh, we had our quick takes on the last show, but we've had a little more time to research, to digest. Tyler, what's your gut saying about all this? I mean, 
what my gut is saying is uh, someone doesn't want to be stuck in a bunch of trials. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my Honestly. gut is someone's like, oh, uh, good times are ending. My time's worth more than that. Fuck y'all. Yep. 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 That's exactly it. I, well, I, I think he, because apparently this week he reached out to uh, Elon. Or oh they've been God. talking a lot more because sure. they want to match their space synergies more. So he oh. wants to go into his space mode and try right. to catch rides with Elon and, and get his moon base set up and all this wait, kind wait, of stuff. Wait, wait. Are, are you saying that two billionaires are forming a cartel? Maybe. But he wants to avoid the court. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Jeez. It really is, because you look at the, what was it, last round of congressional things that they had, where you've got, like, the Google people, you've got Facebook, you've got Amazon, you've got Microsoft, all attending these video conferences, and you can just see on Jeff Bezos' face, I do not want to freaking be here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and, and you know what? Fuck them. That's, I don't give a shit if you want to be there. You should be there. Yeah. Well, how many times... Is- he made statements. He doesn't even know what he's he's doing anymore as CEO. It's like we own Twitch, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, come on. He's he clocked out years ago as far as any semblance of that kind of control. He's just cashing the checks. I mean, I don't. Then if you're, but if he's to me, if you if he's cashing the checks, that responsibility is all on him. That's how it yeah. works. Oh yeah. There's there's no denying the responsibilities on him. It's whether or not he's acknowledging it himself is what I question. Like, he's in a different reality. God, I hate How much money? I'm telling you. It's, it's just crazy. But yeah, maybe it, it ends up, I don't know. Get, maybe <sighs> Amazon gets better. Maybe we get to the moon. I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic, hopeful. Not optimistic, but hopeful. You're a bitter old Something man for certain coming. things and optimistic about other things. I want to. Yeah. I want to. I want to do a brain scan on you because sometimes it's interesting. No, I. I don't know. I see the space stuff and I get excited. I'm like a little kid. We need yeah. more space. Have you? Um. I, I did so... find it interesting watching the White House press uh, briefing and they go, "What about Space Force?" And the lady laughed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're not touching that one. Uh, no. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I don't know why on uh, Friday night I was looking at Starlink, reading up on Starlink. Have you seen the prices mm-hmm. for Starlink? No. No, but I okay. saw an article on it last so, night. There's a lot of people signing up. Yeah. Uh, let me bring this up. I did take a screenshot while I was... Beep, 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 beep. Hardware for Starlink costs 650 Canadian. And this is like my area mm-hmm. in Toronto. I didn't check if the prices change depending on where you are. So the I don't hardware... think it does. That's the pizza box that you need to mount on your roof. Yeah. So the hardware is six fifty. Shipping and handling is sixty five. Taxes were ninety two. And then the services is one twenty nine a month. Yeah. But guess what? If you're in an area where you don't have any infrastructure for delivery, 
that looks pretty reasonable for the speed that you're going to get. Right? Yes, I know. You're talking it about- does. So from a pure technology point of view, you know, I have shitty internet. Like, let's take Tyler's parents, for example. You know, right. they live in, I want to say, rural Manitoba. Manitoba. Yep. Um, shitty internet. They're- right? Not anymore, but it used to be. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes they have to use satellite or something, something else to connect. So Starlink yeah, is, on satellite. Yeah, Starlink is very, very appealing on surface, but 129 bucks a month, 850 down to get the service up and running. When you're living in these rural areas, sometimes that, that, that's a, that's a pretty big investment. You know, that's, that's a yep. decision to be made for us. You know, it's it's whatever. That's basically what we pay for internet now, right? Minus the, the hardware. So that's fine. But, you know, living in these rural areas, you know, oftentimes they don't make as much as you, as, as people who live yeah. in cities and whatnot. So, you know, just, just just throwing that out there, you know, that it is expensive. But from a technolo- pure technology point of view, it's brilliant. And it's it's why why wouldn't you? I have I got I got I got criticisms of the technology. So thing number one is you got to remember that because these are satellites, you require certain orbital 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 patterns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the rural places in Canada are too far north for adequate satellite coverage to not be hard. With some critics pointing out that very quickly for many of these areas, Around sunset, you will see more satellites in the air than stars to get the coverage Elon Musk is reporting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and secondly, is Elon Musk has a history of some sketchy ass shit. Well, yeah. He hates unions. He wanted Pravda, like he wanted a, a media company where people would vote up and down the legitimacy of different news stories, yeah, which is insane. And I, I, I think that allowing a monopoly to form for the only way to get internet for a lot of these places is you're begging for more problems. Yep. There's, there's competing services doing the same thing. But they have to be They're meaningful. With their own satellites. Yeah. yeah. So what, that's it's, what I'm saying. Is they have to be meaningful it's happening. They're... There is one other company doing it, and they have their stuff up. I forget the name of it. And Elon has gone on record saying he wishes that the $600 buy-in price was less. I mean... But he's like, the shit costs money. Like, I mean, no. Like, I don't, like... I don't, I don't trust Elon. I know. Right? He has, he has made yeah. himself... Like, you just look at it from, like, a... From like a, a, a journalist or a lawyer's point of view if he's not a reputable witness we have no reason to trust his his representation well did you see what he did this week <clears throat> he built a huge like the world's biggest die cast part like fabrication so like die cast cars he's literally he built it in the parking lot of his california factory and it's too big to fit in the building, so they just built a roof over this thing. And it's an automated piece that takes what used to take 70 parts to make, and it die-casts it as one part for the cars. 
but like everybody's reacting to it going, that's a really bad idea because structurally die casting this piece for your axle is going to result in breakage because 70 parts flex more than a die cast part. And they're like, this is a bad idea, but all he wants to do is drive down the price of his production. Right. So now we get to see potentially Tesla go into this zone because the guy doesn't want to learn from other people's mistakes because yeah. he's going to try and cut costs on production as much well, as he can. Not production. Well, it is, but it's it's labor. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all robots and yeah. everything like that, but it's also saving him assembly fees and all that stuff, right? So, I don't know. It's It's going to go one way or the other. It's either going to go really well or it's either going to go horribly wrong. So... It's it's fascinating to watch, and I'm, I that did remind me seeing that story about what Tyler talks about with Elon Musk, and the downside about being into these markets and being into this space and making the mistakes that he does, and all to save money because that's ultimately at the end of the day what he's got to do. Well, look, yeah. most of his companies are only profitable because he skirts a lot of laws. It's the same as Uber, right? Like. Most of Uber's profitability was based around them not having to follow laws, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have to have minimum wage requirements, you don't have to pay for car insurance because you've decided they're a contractor, despite the fact that legally there was not enough arm's length for there to be a contractor. Like, there's a bunch of problems with that. But Uber's money didn't come from better tech. It came from we didn't listen to laws. Yep. Yeah. And Elon Musk is in the same camp. And with how much he misrepresents things and his history of doing stuff like for one of the Teslas, like all it is is just it's it's different software than the more expensive version. You physically get the same thing and they just paywall a bunch of your features. I would be very concerned if we don't have legislation in place preventing him of Elon Musk being like, oh, I got bad news. Turns out to get access to the, all these media companies, you got to pay extra for your internet because net neutrality doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I watch, you know, as I've said on the show before, I watch Unbox Therapy and Lou later. And Lou bought a uh, Porsche electric car which doesn't have any automated driving features at all. It's just an electric car. All right. And he's got it parked in his studio because it's cold out and he doesn't want to bring it out there. But on this week, one of his Unbox Therapy shows, he went and he bought a Tesla. He actually went to the site and compared the experience of how he bought the Porsche, how few options you have. He bought a Plaid edition. So it's being delivered in March and he's going to put the two cars head to head and then make his decision on which one he's going to keep. He's going to sell the other one or do something. So I, I was, it was really interesting for me because I got, he, we got to ride shotgun with a, you know, a $200,000 purchase mm-hmm. and the complications there within about what color is the paint. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And I'm just like, this is mind blowing that this exists and people are buying in the volumes that they're buying. And this is the experience. And it's and exactly that. He wants to get the super edition, but it's not out until later on in the month. So, we, so Lou's just like, 
I'll just pay the extra $20,000 and get the software upgraded. Yep. To give me yep. the extra 200 horsepower. It's already at 1,000 horsepower. Like 1,000 horsepower for a car. Yep. That's, that's, that's where we're at, man. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> it, like, literally, the website experience for $200,000 of your money is like three pages of just options. Like, oh, I'm going to choose this color. I'm going to choose this wheel. And I want this model for this horsepower. And then yep. $200,000 later, see ya. Yep. That's scary to me. Like, that is terrifying. So, but, infrastructure. We're reaching that time, the magic time that I try to keep the shows at. And we have one more mm-hmm. subject. WandaVision. <laughs> it was a good episode. So good. Episode five. So good. Such Remember, a good show. The fact that we're trying to keep these spoiler-free really limits us on what we can say and what we can say. Yeah, god I, dang it. I I oh. didn't think it was the best episode. I saw everybody freaking out Friday about you're, how great it was. I didn't think it was the it? best I'm episode. sorry, Phil. You're just wrong you're on this one. You're fired. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just in mid-thought here. Then I went okay. and I did a little bit of research on it, and I realized the implications. Oh, you didn't being know. Presented. It didn't, it didn't click. It yeah. didn't click. I, there's certain things that didn't click with me on the first watch through. And I'm just like, the biggest thing that I could draw out of it was, hey, there's Sparky. <laughs> yeah, my my partner was like, hey, wait, that's... Wait, that's... Yeah, yeah, wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and who her father really is in the comics. Yeah. And stuff uh, like that. And the decisions that they're going to make in the show. I don't know if they're going to stick to that. So, But here's, the door is wide open with how that all connects everything. So, we're going to keep it at that. In the interest mm-hmm. of keeping the spoiler free. In the interest of timing. But I do want to say that we will be bringing a full WandaVision review at the end of the season. With special guests, Lisa and Brad from Comic Books Counseling. So great. I'm looking forward to Lisa and Brad. I, I am really excited about this show every week now. Like, it is a show that this past week we, like, like, it's the first thing we do Friday morning, which is, like, it's been a long time since we're like, no, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't wait till after work. We gotta watch this right now. It is legitimately good. Like, I like, I liked where, I like where it is now that yeah. we're off the sitcom a little bit and we're getting that mix of what's going on. I do yeah. like that. It's made the show infinitely more appealing to me instead of all the guesswork that we had for the first three episodes. Yeah. You knew. So. I knew it wasn't going to stick to that format the entire yeah. time, but uh, the mix that we're seeing right now is so good. And the overall storytelling that they're giving us is just fantastic. Fan fucking tastic. Yeah, and there's editing decisions that are getting made that are interesting too because I noticed like on the back wall when they had certain people identified mm-hmm. in an area of New Jersey that yeah. there was stuff written on it because people zoomed in. There's stuff that happened this week that were posted last week's board. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about how they're actually assembling these episodes too. I also want to... I want to do a quick shout out to how much this show gains from like from directly 
grappling with how television is made in a very interesting way. Nice. Um, there was a there was a video essay a while ago that talked about how whether or not you liked Entourage, it had the net effect of it. It led to a lot of people better understanding how movies are made. Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't watch it, you'd like start. It's it like created this osmosis effect outwards because people understood that like it more forced people to grapple with like, oh, someone's making this editing decision, the kind of bullshit that you go to film school for. Yeah. Versus, like, I think that WandaVision does a very similar thing of like people are are directly having to grapple with how a television show is made because they are making a television show inside of the television show. And it's really interesting yeah. that way. Well, they really broke the fourth wall this week, so. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Wah, wah. All right, so that's WandaVision. And I think that wraps up this episode in a neat little package. Phil, do your thing. All right, everybody. If you're looking for us on the internet, you can find us at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us basically anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find them, we're going to be there. So please click the subscribe button so you can be notified whenever we release our kooky episodes. And make sure that you leave a rate and review, if at all possible, on your platform of choice. We appreciate it. Yep. And I know I've been saying this for a few weeks, but we will be launching a contest shortly that everyone can be a part of. I mean, this point is not becoming a joke. Like, someday there'll be a contest. Someday. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tolerating, well, my lateness being upstairs and whatnot but uh thanks so much guys this is the it's canon podcast the podcast where we talk about all things everything all things pop culture all things comics all things movies all things books all things video games all things toys all things lego all things wandavision anything and everything and guys do you know what the best part of it all is i heard somebody tell me that it's all sort of in canon nobody found the bodies Nobody. I mean, your thing. I got yes. Boris that time. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. We broke Boris. You guys did. All you right. got me. You got me. Let's, All right. Let's get out of here. He's Tyler. He's Phil. I'm Boris. The It's Cannon Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>